There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm thrown by what's going on in your room, though. Where is the psychedelic wallpaper? Have you the moved psychedelic the wallpaper is covered for now. I'm going to just switch up the background, make it, you know, because I feel like it's a cool wall, but I kind of want to switch too it. much of a good thing. Yeah. And then next time I reveal it, people go, well, that's crazy. So yeah, I've actually <laughs> ordered a few backdrops. So I'm going to keep switching it up. I'm just having fun with this shit, man. <laughs> you really are missing being on stage, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I got the spotlight, right? I just I need a backdrop for the show. <laughs> I love it. Well, now you're making me look bad because I'm just in the same old, you know, library looking room every day. So maybe I'm going to bring some production values of my own to the next episode. Yeah, but you look sophisticated and you got the clockwork orange poster behind you. I back that shit. It looks great, man. Yeah. Glasses on. Look at you. You are... Oh, good to go. So speaking of stage, I'm super stoked. And before we bring our guest on, um, I just want to say I've known this dude since I was a young guy in my early 20s. And uh, I've admired his uh, stage presence as a as a front man, as a vocalist and as pretty much a comedian as well. He's kind of got the full front man package. And uh, yeah, it's an honor. So if you would click on your camera, let's bring our first Here we guest. Go. Mr. Here we go. Luckily, from every time I die. Oh, and he's gone. And he's back. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the way you hyped it up, I thought I thought Justin Timberlake was going to Justin Timberlake. Just me. Uh, Just me. You know, before we get started, I actually actually wanted to do this quick, quick thing that I wanted to tell you, and I want to jog your memory because okay, my first real tour mm -hmm. uh, was with you guys. It was Kill Switch mm -hmm. You guys was it Santa Sangre? I think yeah. Well. Yeah, and what a fucking shit show of a tour that was, dude. But I specifically remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you remember, I think it was Chicago. We played with Martyr AD, uh -huh. at some like bowling at oh some it was fireside, not fireside bowl. There you go. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching your set that night, and I was having trouble with my voice back then already because I was such a spaz. Um, but <laughs> I remember watching you perform, and. In between every song, you didn't miss a beat. You were fucking hysterical after every single song. And I remember standing in the audience because I was just super insecure back then. And I remember yeah. standing in the audience and just being like, fuck. And like, not in a bad way, but totally jealous <laughs> of like, how you were able to navigate the audience and make the shit funny. And I remember just standing there going, I got a long way to go with this shit. I'm so No nervous. way. That was all. I mean, any of that shit was because I was so nervous. I just, it just, it just registered with me in a different way. You know, I just, I was so nervous about there being a silence in between songs because that's like, 
the place where someone could make fun of you. You know, and that's in my head, that's what's going to go in, in, a, in, a, in a moment of silence is someone's going to make fun of us. So I did everything I could think of to not allow there to be a moment of silence. You did well. It would man. usually just be well. me rambling. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, it was fear driven. So uh, we were absolutely on the same page. I was just, just talking about that tour uh, with my girlfriend because she was at the North Carolina show. Um, or the South Carolina show. And I don't know if you remember oh. it all, but it, I think it was like a house of blues. And we, when we played, we brought everybody on the crowd or in the crowd up onto the stage. Cause there was probably seven people there maybe. So okay. we played with the audience <laughs> on the stage uh, in South Carolina on that. Right, one more thing. And then we'll get, get rolling here. But, uh, <laughs> do you remember at that show in the parking lot, some dude pulled his pants down spit whiskey on his pubic hair and lit his pubic hair on fire. Were you I do that? remember that now. God, what an eventful day. You want to know something else that happened that day? This I don't know if I've ever told anybody. Um, so before the show, my friend and I um, were driving around, uh, just kind of looking for something to do. She, she lived there, so she was showing me around. And uh, we stopped at a dollar store. I s- stole a rubber snake. Uh, they, ca- they caught me like walking out the door with it, called the cops. The cops were looking for me. Me and my friend were hiding out in her car. And then I like jumped out and hid in like a, uh, some bushes near a church. Cause I'm like, cops aren't going to come to a church. They know nobody's that's here has done anything wrong. So I stayed near the church. Uh, and today that friend is my girlfriend. That's Great. funny. <laughs> yeah. So she sa- she saved me in that situation. Yeah. Hey, Matt, how did how did you guys meet? <laughs> there wasn't any snakes or pubic hair fires involved. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, she we... saw my uh, she saw my profile on America's <laughs> Most Wanted after the snake stealing incident. And it's kind of like one of those serial killer crush things. You know, I was in jail doing hard time, and she was writing me letters. You no, wounded um, with your snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we we, uh, we, we met in like, a very similar way to how me and you met, really, Jesse. I'd say exactly the same. We but we both did a live Q and A, um, as 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 myself and yourself did, mm-hmm. and we'd met before then. We'd spent we'd actually spent me and Keith spent our first proper night getting to know each other in the Crown Pub in Digbeth in Birmingham, uh-huh. where you and I stayed after the Q and A. So it all goes back to that pub in Digbeth, the old crown Inn. um wow. that was before our q a keith that was about a year before and mm-hmm. we, we'd met up <laughs> i'd recorded a podcast with you but i hadn't actually recorded it and that was really <laughs> what led to the q a happening is uh-huh. we'd done this amazing podcast i lost the audio and i was like oh fuck i don't know if i knew that matt you didn't know it until the live q a night and i told the i don't audience, know if i knew it until right now in the introduction and you were backstage and you came out yeah, and you're yeah. like, I didn't fucking know that yeah. till just now. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have the balls or the courage to admit uh-huh. my mistake and say that I'd lost the audio. So I basically just, didn't, you know, I set up a Q&A night <laughs> right, so we could right. record another conversation and that was my yeah. way around it. Yeah. Was I think it worked out. It worked out. I think we're fine. You all right. So fine, at I some promise. point in the old crown, we all need to, to have a drink at, or hang out. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hang out. Hang out. <laughs> Are you not drinking? No, I just, uh, I want to talk to you about that, actually. That's okay. one of the things I want to touch upon. Um, so a lot has happened to you uh, recently. Um, yeah, it's been a busy pandemic. From from what I <laughs> gather. And uh, Matt and I have also gone through some pretty big changes as well. So I guess we'll just start mm-hmm. with that. Um, so tell us about the beginning of, of the pandemic for you, like your mind state, you know, because I've got 
I'm sure there's some parallels between you and I, not only just with mm-hmm. touring, but with relationships and also with substances, et cetera. But I want yeah. you to speak on that. So when the pandemic hit, walk us through like coming home and then adjusting to, to home life. I'm curious what you went through. Uh, well, I could definitely tell you about the first part, but as far as adjusting, I, I, I didn't make it that far. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, at first I, I was elated, you know, because it, honestly, for six years prior, um, I was very intently thinking about going to the band and saying like, listen, I, I need like some time off. Like things are are not where I need them to be in my life. I need some, I need some space to get them prioritized. I need to attend to things at home that I was never able to attend to, you know, um, we were about to have a kid. There was just so much stuff that I felt like was just shaky foundation for a lot of things that were, you know, I was trying to build my life with a career, but there was so much other stuff suffering that I, I just needed some time, but I chickened out every single time I thought to ask, like just never came up. I never had the courage to do it. Uh, it seemed like whenever I thought it was a good idea, we'd have like a great show and I'd be like, this means the world to me. I can't, you know, I can't leave this. Um, but then the pandemic hit and obviously at first I didn't know how severe it was going to be. Uh, so I was like, okay, got some, maybe I'll get some time now, maybe a month or two to sort of like, do some housekeeping, some maintenance and, you know, really check in with, with myself, see how things are going. Um, so I was stoked. I was home. I had a, a very good excuse to be home. You know, I, the, the pandemic kept everybody at home. So it wasn't just me being like, oh, I need to take an emotional break. Um, but I, I, I was able to start finally putting some things together. Uh, and that didn't, you know, it didn't happen until like a few months in because I was still just like enjoying it, you know? Um, but as time went on and the the point hit where normally I would probably leave for a tour, like maybe like the three week mark or something. It was like my brain went into, into a tour mode that my body couldn't, it, it couldn't correlate. Um, so my brain is starting to get real neglectful of myself and my brain is expecting certain things to be done at a certain time. Uh, my brain is expecting privacy. My brain is expecting this and that, and it, it just wasn't happening. And I, I started feeling very, very out of place and I could not find a purpose. Uh, and the more I looked to try to find where I fit, the more I was finding stuff that I had never even begun to deal with at home because I didn't have the time, you know? Um, so there were just a lot of these things emotionally that I was very uncertain of. And, um, as far as like not having a purpose that was pretty devastating, that's a really devastating feeling to just legitimately not know what you're there for, you know? Um, and it's as petty and as sort of egomaniacal as it sounds, you know, being on tour fulfills so many certain things in certain people. Um, you know, not, not just necessarily the attention, but the camaraderie, you know, things like that, that, that just, that's what a person needs. And when, when they're away from that, it sounds like it's easy to slip out of and get back into a normal routine, but I found it very, very difficult. Um, and I was emotion, like, you know, emotionally I was, I was torn because I, I knew that I wanted to be somewhere. I wasn't there. I knew that I should want to be somewhere else. I didn't feel welcome there. Um, so yeah, thing, things got out of, out of hand <laughs> very quickly. Uh, and at once I sort of realized that a certain thing was wrong and I didn't have the excuse of leaving uh, on tour to deal with it, I realized just how severely 
wrong things were and how many of those things, you know, it was like uh, having time off a tour is like, you know, it's like I, I, I took a, a car to a mechanic after like a smash up derby and I was like, okay, I've been just abusing and neglecting this thing, but now I need it fixed. Like call me when it's done, you know, and the mechanic can either be like, dude, uh, this is a total loss. Or he can be like, well, this is going to take years and years and years to fix, you know, how long do you plan on being alive? So I was like, okay like i i really had a decision to make so um i just ultimately it just came down to where am i the best father to my daughter you know that was really when it finally got down to it ultimately what was that underneath everything was i was just trying to improve my daughter's life so um i felt that i was unable to do that in the situation i was in and uh yeah rest is history so i commend um, you for that man Thanks, man. Yeah, it was not uh, not not easy, and I'm I'm very curious to hear how 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 it's been going for you guys too. I'm I'm putting certain things out there, but I want I need I need to read the room. I need to well, once yeah, we get yeah. this conversation rolling. Yeah, no, you I know. feel you, and um, you know, just letting you say what you got to say, but yeah, I can definitely mm-hmm. jump on this as well. You know, um, you know, I went through a huge transition before the pandemic. You know, the past two years of my life have been a massive transition. But um, yeah, I think I can totally relate to you as far as, you know, feeling lost, feeling like my mm-hmm. wheels were spinning and not knowing wh- what to do or where to go or, you know, mm-hmm. eventually how to make a living. All that stuff sort of uh, faced me down. And uh, yeah, part of that to me was just um, numbing too. You know, I was so used to the yeah. tour life where you just drink and have fun and you're in party mode and, you know, and the the party's over and, and there's no party yeah. there's no celebration there's no um excitement of the stage all those things are not there yeah i realized mm-hmm. i had to sit with myself as well and, and remove the booze at least for a chunk yep. of time you know i'm not calling myself sober but i've had maybe a handful of drinks since the new year which is drastically different than how yeah I good for you yeah and being able to sit with myself and like start to work on what's going on here and that was mm-hmm. huge um, so yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I know Matt can as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting for me at the start of the, the lockdown period, I began to think, wow, I wish I was in a relationship right now because this is the worst time in human history to be single. And I'm going to be so alone for so long. Mm-hmm. And then what quickly happened is I tried to see the positive in my situation, which was that thankfully i actually didn't have to try and damage control a partnership through this insane experience and actually being single was kind of a weird blessing in disguise because as stressful and as traumatic as this pandemic experience has been for me i've navigated these seas on my own and i haven't had to take anybody else's thoughts or emotions into account and that Mm -hmm. is such added pressure and strain and so actually it kind of you know after a while sort of sunk in that perhaps I am actually quite fortunate to be on my own in this instance mm-hmm. because I've seen a lot of people's relationships suffer because of the yeah. extreme added stress and pressure of this whole situation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And if it, if it hasn't like added stress necessarily, it's definitely illuminated it, you know, I mean, it's shown where, the, you know, for me, I mean, even just other, you know, other relationships that are platonic, it's just shown me that, you know, where the, the weak points in this chain of, of, of a history that we've built, you know, um, certain 
friends actually getting COVID, certain friends not, certain friends, unfortunately, uh, just had a friend pass away the other day from from cancer. You know, it's it's these things that are uh, these things that are, are are really showing each other. You know, the, who we thought were close to us, who's actually there for each other when it is such a um, an important time to do some sort of self reflection. You know, a lot of people do that and they get lost in themselves and maybe you don't ever really hear from them in the same way again. But I, I did find that a lot of my friends um, and myself, um, you know, the people that I really, really loved, my family, you know, when they went inside and started, you know, looking at themselves because they were left to do so, they found that giving was the best thing that, you know, that, that fulfilled them. And you know, my parents, I I didn't have a wonderful relationship with my parents for the past I don't know, seven years, eight years. It's gotten so good during this pandemic, which is so strange to get so close to people that I wasn't close to in a time when you're supposed to be far away. But, um, you know, you just realize a lot about, you know, the company you keep. Um, and I think it's been a really important time in history. And it's terrible that it has to come at the expense of so many lives. Um, I just, I, I find that a lot of people are really showing themselves. True colors now are, are, are starting to shine and it's um, can be very disappointing, but other times it's really revelatory, you know, and it sounds like you kind of had that too, Matt, just even just being on your own. Yeah. And what I, what I was able to do is kind of cultivate and reignite a lot of friendships, which, you know, perhaps, hadn't been watered in a while and and in right. other ca- and in other cases friendships that really were born in this year and this year alone like i've become mm-hmm. so close with a few people in this last 12 month period whereas people i've known my whole life i haven't really spoken to at all it's really thrown like relationships as you say keith of all kind not just mm-hmm. romantic but platonic as well it's thrown everything up in the air like me and jesse have grown so close in yeah. this time and, and this show's been born off that and it's always difficult for me because there's kind of that line where as a professional, you don't want to cross it. And a lot of people like yourselves who I meet, I meet through work, right? And so there's a big part of me that wants to reach out to people and chat to them casually. Mm-hmm. But then some people don't always want to be contacted right. by the journalist guy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So you yeah, totally. sometimes don't know whether it's just a professional link or whether the relationship is you know meaningful and real and personal so you always have to be mindful of that but it's been a very eye-opening experience and as you say man certain people for me have shown that they're not as great as i perhaps thought they were but Mm -hmm. i'm always of the opinion that it's better the devil you know yes absolutely absolutely so my question to you because you've been public about this so it's not you know um Mm. not prying too much so do you think that the pandemic was a direct result of your separation and divorce from your wife no, no, I, I think, uh, wait, I'm sorry. Did you say a result or like, yeah, sitting, yeah. Sitting, sitting, did your divorce cause the pandemic? But I, but I do, I do understand that thought. I do understand that thought, but no, I don't believe you caused the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. No, flip that around. Do okay. you think being home and, and pumping the brakes with your life made you realize that that yeah. was irreparable? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's just there's too, you know i mean it's there's too much space there's too much space in in the touring world you know and i mean as romantic and, and ideal as it sounds to be able to compartmentalize um there's just too much room for people to grow apart 
I, yeah. you know, I, I'll say that. So that I think that that is what started the process um, that, you know, the, that the pandemic brought to light. And ultimately it was that it was like, you, you got to be honest about it. Like really, really, really honest. And it's fucking hard, but you got to look back at where it started, you know, and it was a long time ago, a long yeah. time, so long ago that it, that what became that what was habitual seemed normal. Yeah. You know? oh, man, um, that, that hits home for me big time. And it, yeah. it wasn't normal. Um, and it took um, someone else you know to the either uh, luckily i had both i had good i had a good support system in primes i had a good therapist um took yeah. a lot of of uh, of talking through that to realize that there's a lot of abnormal behavior that is completely normalized because you're on tour you know and you come home and when someone's like why are you drinking at three in the afternoon you're like i always do this i'm fine like i know that about myself people shouldn't know that about themselves yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, that's not a normal thing, you know, so you when think, you're coming uh, right, home. So, so that being said, do you think alcohol was hand in hand with that as well? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. It was all, it was all a perfect shitstorm, a perfect shitstorm. It was the lack of purpose. It was the isolation. It was the alcohol. It was the fear of losing, uh, um, fear of losing touch with yourself. It was um, a fear of upsetting people. It was a fear of like admitting failure to everyone you cared about. Um, th there was a lot that was involved and it all came together. And it, you know, I feel like people that are on tour uh, and I don't, I don't feel like this, I don't know if this is talked about as much and I just kind of started looking into it because it was almost like a sort of thing that I didn't realize existed is like, um, the, the emotional state of, of men on tour, I think makes them particularly vulnerable to certain kinds of, of abnormal behavior. You get used to it and, and it, it comes to the detriment to yourself. You know, you're, you're permitting people to do a lot of things to you that normally you probably wouldn't do. And I mean, I'm talking about like, whether it be skimping on on payments or uh, invading personal space i mean it's just these things that you kind of are just like you know what this is just part of the shit this is just this is what it is wow but that's not very that's not how you that's not how you sort of develop a core belief and then go home to a normal person and be like yeah well this is who i am because of all of this environment that shaped me that you've never seen before you know and it's it's not only impossible to merge, it's almost impossible to comprehend, like even having any idea of what it's truly like to be, you know, working at this as long as we have. And I'm in no way, you know, this is in no way like a, a pity, pity us, pity me sort of thing. I just feel like the men's emotional, emotional vulnerability to being taken advantage of or looked towards as someone who provides a service all the time changes the way that they interact with people when they're off the road. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I mean, and I don't know if that's a thing. That, that could just be a very common thing, but yeah. I'm going to go, go ahead and say with my past relationship, that's nail on the motherfucking head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. I, but I think that's why, you know, the three of us get along and talk so well, because I, I believe that we have that understanding of the differences between touring and not touring.
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, we register those things in the same way. So I think that's why our conversations are always so good and productive, mm. you know, particularly. What I saw a lot of um, emotions being stirred in you as he was chatting then, um, Jesse, and a lot of realizations taking place in the moment. What was coming to mind in your mind as Keith was sharing his experience and that push and pull of, of road and home life? Yeah, so there's, that's twofold, twofold. Um, one, I'll start by saying just I'm in gratitude now for where I am now. Um, but what you were talking about is just, and the way you worded it, you know, uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a process I've been working through on my own to, to sort of define. And I think one of my biggest problems is saying what I'm thinking or feeling. I do a lot of like internal stuff and, you know, I'm with a woman now who is, who's a completely different person from my, my ex-wife and mm-hmm. she sort of like helped me grow by kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone and, yeah. and letting me know that the way that I've been living isn't healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not dude you know? exactly how it's been in my life too but continue yeah just want yeah to and, yep. and so so the stuff that you're saying it's almost like you just added a new vocabulary that's like the, sort of the next level of like what i've been getting at with all this and then removing alcohol from it and like when i'm upset i i'm upset i don't i don't yeah. just like, shut up and just chug it and like fuck it i'll deal with it some other time like right going on tour in a few days so it doesn't even matter like that whole attitude that pirate sort of childish really yes stunted growth of, of a mental well-being uh is exactly what you were referring to and yeah. it just it hits home because that's exactly what my life has been for two years i've been churning and and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out and this past you know this past year has just been a huge like huge yeah. growth yeah i mean because you you come home from a break between tours and um at most you're home long enough to realize it's a problem if you're really lucky you get a chance to address it but you're never home long enough to fix it ever mm-hmm. ever ever you, you can't be you can't be home long enough to fix it there's not enough time in it, on the planet earth like it's so at that point you, you decide you decide i mean do you want to continue to do that and keep hammering away to put that fucking square peg in a round hole every day of your life uh you know while your friends watch you struggle while everyone around you that cares about you watch you struggle trying to get that to fit or do you want to just be like listen i I, you know, this, this is not something that I, I believe is salvageable anymore. And that honesty is very difficult for a lot of people, you know, and I, and I understand it, but, um, it just gets better. I mean, honestly, it only gets better. That's what I was just going to say. So how are you feeling these days that you're sort of on the other side and working through it? Yeah. Amazing. I, you know, I, I do, I, I don't drink. I haven't since the summer. Um, I have an incredible girlfriend who is just same, same thing that you were saying, like just actually helping me grow, you know, finally. And, and in growing, you find out that there is actually a way to, to live those two lives. You don't have to keep them separate. If you have someone in your life that wants to help you figure out how to combine them, you know, it is doable. It really is. Uh, It it takes work, but yeah. um, Cause I've always said, I've always seen relationships of people like, you know, who have fairly stable relationships and they have their significant other come out on tour for a couple of days. Yeah. And I would watch how that would work and like the way yeah. they interact on the phone. And I was always so envious of like 
how do I get that? Because I never had that. Right. My past right. relationship up until this point, you know, and my lady now is awesome. She's great. But prior to that, it was always stress. Always mm-hmm. stress. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. I mean, yeah. really, I, there's right. such there's such a stigma around separation and divorce. I mean, and you watch it's It's funny now because now that it's something that's in my life, I notice it now in the media. And it's like how many, you know, guys in sitcoms or movies are just so trapped. And that's the joke. They're fucking, they're miserable. And that's the joke. That's a, that's a terrible way to live. Why would you do that to yourself? You yes. don't have to. You don't have to live like that, you know? Um, so once I realized that, uh, yeah, like I said, it's only gotten better. My relationship with my daughters improved tenfold. My, Like I said, I, I've developed a relationship with my parents. It just it feels good. Like I feel completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, because there's not a there's not a struggle inside of me all the time, you know. I'm can able you, to give more. Can I ask you how much of that struggle you think was alcohol related? Because it's can't be a coincidence that you've got you know a new mm-hmm. l- love life, but then you've also, by the sounds of it, got a new lifestyle <clears throat> as well. Yeah, um, it's cool. I, I mean, I have like six extra hours at the end of the day to like do things. You know, like Who I knew? don't have to. Yeah, I don't feel like shit the next day all the time. That's great too, um, you know. And, and it's just it's it became a situation for me where I was not. I realized that I was on a slippery slope. You know, it wasn't terrible, but I know myself, and I knew I was on a slippery slope, and I couldn't convince anybody whose help I really needed that I really needed help. You know, mm-hmm. because it was always like. You know, kind of like, oh, well, you haven't committed a crime yet. You can't be arrested. Like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to commit the crime. Like, I don't want to get to that point. I need help, and uh, that wasn't there. So then, it, the, the, then it became almost kind of a no-brainer for me, especially in relation, you know, in regards to the relationship with my daughter. It was like, I'm not gonna turn into someone who she is going to fucking despise. I'm gonna nip that in the bud like right now. So. Yeah. Was there a uh, moment to. or was it just sort of a, a gradual thing or was there like a stark moment for you? Um, there was a pretty stark moment for me um, that really kind of um, really opened my eyes to it. And then once it was open, I recognized other things that had happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, it was, I don't want to say t- too much uh, just because, yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. I, my stuff's still in, in lawyer world. So, um, yes, yes. It, yeah, it was a very stark. It was a very stark moment where I was like, not doing this anymore. Not fucking doing this anymore. Like, I see exactly where this is going. I I know who I am. We're done, and that's it. Are you yeah. done then? Is that a long term lifestyle change and choice you've consciously um, made? I don't know. I mean, you know. A separation will tell you a lot about what you thought was going to happen, you know, so there's really no way to like plan for anything, but I don't feel like I need alcohol anymore. I mean, I got to a point, you know, even before my daughter was born, I needed it, but I convinced myself I did. I needed it to go on stage. Yeah. I needed it to deal with a bad situation, needed it to deal with stress. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, which is good. I'll say that. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah, it's I can relate completely. I mean, for me, it was actually a health reason that mm-hmm. started it all. Um, needing to Whatever. sort of pump the brakes. Can you talk about it? 
Yeah, I mean, most people don't know, but yeah, I, I, so I don't go to doctors. I'm not a doctor guy. I, I despise mm -hmm. them. I worked for them for many years when I was on and off tour. And I don't trust Western medicine. So after mm -hmm. finally shopping around and finding a, a holistic doctor who is not about the money, who's like a spiritually practiced person. Yeah. Uh, long story short, my body was at the point where I was basically precancerous uh, in my gallbladder. And just a mess, just a mess from an imbalance of many things, but just years of drinking and years of like abusing myself. And, you know, if you ask anybody, you know, I, I was a casual drinker. I was a highly functioning one. You never yeah. know I was drunk. Like I wasn't the kind right. of guy to like get hammered at three in the afternoon. But once right. I started in, at night, I would go until I pass out in the bus. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I was basically pumped the brakes on your lifestyle. And uh, my girlfriend had already reach because she was a raging alcoholic for most of her life up until when i mm -hmm. met her she was trying to ease off of it but she's now she's completely off it that's great so she, she encouraged me to see the doctor number one because i kept having issues number two i'm glad i did and then number three because of that my mental health has just taken on a whole life of its own and i've found this peace and this balance and you know, like you said waking up in the morning is like i I wake up happy. I wake up. Right. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I wake up with new breath in my lungs. And, you know, uh -huh. I've, had, I've had a few drinks here and there, but it's literally like a glass of wine with my dinner. Yeah. And I've never yeah. done that. And I'm like, I'm like, go you. Like, one, for one sure, man. That's huge. Yeah. Finding just, a balance is infinitely harder than abstinence. For yeah. sure. So, yeah. That's awesome. It is. It is. But, I, you know, I, to me, it's not a slippery slope because, like, you, I don't want to get drunk. I have no desire. Mm -hmm. Like I, mm. I get a little warm in my face. I'm like, that's it. I don't want to yeah. further. I want to keep this intact. My emotions mm. intact, you know, mm -hmm. all that shit. But yeah, man, I mean, it's been a total lifestyle change, but you know, it, it came about through the physical health, but the side effect and the result of was my mental health. And now the understanding of, I can't go back to being that person ever again. No, I don't nope. want it. Yeah. Nope. It's wild. How Let me ask like you guys this. About. Because the, the ongoing battle that I have is I love being sober and productive and happy and healthy. And I know that's a lifestyle choice that suits me and benefits me. But I've also just had some of the greatest experiences of my life heightened by one thing or another. And so right. my favorite moments, memories, friendships were forged in those fires. And there's this big part of me that's like, man, do I really want to say goodbye to that forever? Because there's so much positivity and, and soul that's come out of that. So I'd love to get mm -hmm. your both your thoughts on that does there just come a time when you have to go i've drank this cup dry and any more than this is going to be unhealthy and i need to just appreciate the past and roll with the punches or what's your take man i don't know jesse you want to take that one yeah, you just made me want to have a beer real bad yeah for me, for me it's well that's the thing though for, it's i think it's different for everybody um you know i've got friends that if they have a drink it's over like they're gonna flip and they're gonna go down the hole and they're gonna go back to exactly doing what they were doing before they have no control over it mm -hmm. period mm -hmm. i've i went dry for a while i had my first uh, glass of wine i had my first margarita and i had one and one one and done and i tested the waters and i feel confident that i can have a few drinks and then take mm -hmm. a month off i can do that i know so far so good yeah. Uh, but when I get back on tour, it's a whole other, I'm sure it's gonna be a whole other like meditative state I need to get back into and all that stuff. Cause kill switch are like, yeah, those guys are power. Well, not Mike, but um, right. Justin, on, Justin on off days and Adam and Joel are like the pillars of 
Yeah. <laughs> like they're yeah. competitive Polish sport drinkers. Like <laughs> uh, so I think to each their own, but you know, if you can't do moderation, you're better off just not drinking because totally. I have found the, the daylight hours, like not being a vampire anymore. Like the daylight hours mean so much more to me. Like I'd rather get up and like exist and I'm in bed by like nine, 10 o'clock these days. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I lay next right. to my girl and my cats snuggle up or whatever. And like, to me, that's bliss. That's more bliss than any night where I've been hammered yep. and shit faced and cross-eyed and partying. And, you know, cause yeah. you also realize too, that there's a lot of superficial stuff that goes along with it. you might be having fun with your friends too, which there are those nights for sure, but you can have that fun without getting shit housed. Uh -huh. so I think it's a balance for everybody. That's my take on it. Like I'm still okay to dip my toes in the water. Mm -hmm. The moment I start to see me backpedaling, that's when I know I got to just pump the brakes. Yeah. Tour is, tour, tour is going to be a completely different uh, testing grounds for, for this, you know. Uh, it, it is much different there. But um, one of the things that I've kind of learned, uh, you know, or that I'm starting to learn is that I can be the person that I liked being drunk. Like I, 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 I drank because it, it made me a kind of person that I really liked. You know, I wasn't angry. I didn't fight anybody. I felt like I was just a little more vulnerable, you know, maybe in a better mood. And I liked that guy a lot. I liked him better than who I was when I was sober. But I, I, I'm realizing that the, only, the reason I was the kind of guy that I was when I was sober is because I was so unhappy fundamentally. Um, so when that, now that that's getting worked out, I find that I'm kind of naturally moving to be the kind of person that I was when I was drunk. I'm outgoing and happy and, you know, pretty chill about things. I don't really let stress get to me. Um, and I'm becoming that naturally, which is, I can't believe it. Like th that's the equivalent to me of, of cutting myself off after one drink. The fact that I can get excited and talk to people honestly and uh, openly when I'm sober is a huge revelation for me, you know, and it's because there was so much unhappiness that was just uh, a through current of everything that I did. You know, I couldn't even get ha like drinking on tour. I would be happy for a little bit, but then I would be, I would just start feeling guilty that I wasn't at home. You know, I would just, uh, all this guilt starts setting in. And now that I don't have that, uh, I think that's freeing me up to be the kind of person that I drank to become, you know, wow. I've never heard anybody's take on it in that way before most people when they drink i think become a a less likable version of themselves and that's what yeah. they don't that's what they yeah. don't like and that's why they stop drinking but you're mm -hmm. kind of like no no i don't need to drink anymore because i found drunk me sober yeah that's and that's a problem to, but but see that's what kind of complicated things to me was that when i said i i you know when i told people that i needed help and that i, I didn't want to drink anymore and i really needed someone to kind of guide me and help me do that the consensus was, but you're, you're an awesome like, drunk. We, yeah. we love you when you're drunk. Yeah, it's not <laughs> Dude, that oh big of a God. problem. <laughs> yeah, and so Come I, was on, like, well, I fucking made my bed now. Yeah, great. I all those years of making myself a fun drunk, and now it's biting me in the ass because now it's the reason people won't stop me from drinking. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that that's I am I've had to realize that I am I'm a grumpy guy, like pretty grumpy during the day. And I've learned to get better at it through the reasons, through the reasons that you said, but yeah, 
I tend to be less fun because I just don't, I don't want to do certain things. And then when I have a yeah. drink, I'm like down to do whatever. <laughs> right. And I remember because right. there are nights I don't drink on tour. If we've got three, four shows in a row, I'm like, I got to be good tonight, guys. And it immediately is like, oh, come on. We love drunk uncle. We love you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You don't want to disappoint people. And that, it's, you know, that's real. So perfectly into, yeah. But it, it, it like touches upon the reason that you're in a band to begin with is that people, want to see you perform you know and you like the feeling that you get of performing and that's it's like almost in our dna that that was that you begin to equate drinking with that of a sort of performance of like well this is it's just an extenuation of of everything that i love doing it's just a private show you know or it's just for me and my friends so it's going to mean more you know and that's kind of how you justify it because you get there naturally it's not it's not a synthetic uh, happiness fun guy right Wow. So I got to ask you too, um, cause Matt and I've discussed this a few times about like just helping with the mental health. Like, is there anything you're doing outside of therapy that's helping you? Cause Matt and I always take walks in nature. We've really bonded on like getting extra nature, fresh air. Is there anything that you're doing to help aid that process as well? Aside from therapy? Yeah, actually like, um, I can't take walks on days like today cause it's like 30 degrees out, but, um, oh, yeah, Buffalo, yeah, I just, uh, I just go for drives. Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo perfect for people who love winter to start in september and end in june it's great uh but yeah i uh going for drives has really helped me and just like appreciating silence um is something that's that's really um helped shift my oddly enough shift my focus away from thinking about drinking so much like i i don't it doesn't occupy those spaces anymore so i think that the more time i like sit with myself not, uh, you know, in silence or, you know, if it's on a drive or meditating or whatever. And I, and I realized after that I didn't want to drink during that time is like, it, it just kind of empowers me a little bit, you know, to do something else. Um, so yeah, but that time is so fucking necessary. And I, I was, a, this might not be on topic, but it definitely leads somewhere. I think, uh, I, I was always very concerned when I was off tour and coming home that self-care was selfishness. You know, that like if I'm tending to myself to sort of check in and do inventory on my emotional state or my physical state, it felt like that was time that I should be giving to other people. You know, like my daughter needs something, probably my wife needs something, you know, probably if I'm doing something for myself, I'm neglecting them. So to me, the thought of neglecting other people was so much worse than the thought of neglecting myself. So I neglected myself, you know, and now that I'm, not there's so many things that i enjoy doing that i didn't realize i even like doing you know taking a drive never would have been on my list of things that i i love doing but it, it honestly like it's it sometimes makes me so excited that like it, it gives me enough power to like, get out of bed in the morning you know like gonna it's sunny i hear birds i haven't heard birds in fucking eight months i'm gonna go to burger king i'm gonna get a, a vegetarian breakfast sandwich I'm going to get to the drive and find out they discontinued them. And you know what? I'm not even pissed <laughs> off. I'm just chill. I'm going to go home and eat a donut or something. Then. You know, it's this whole other thing now. It's um, been the year of simple it. pleasures, hasn't it? And Oh, my God. That's simple. very much where, where this... me and Jesse have bonded is, you know, going on a walk before this pandemic year. A walk to me wouldn't have been an activity. It would have been a means uh-huh. of getting from A to B. Whereas now it is, it's a, a whole mental process. It's a, a a thing of entertainment and escape and connection and, and obviously exercise. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. it's just a walk. You just walk in. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? 
And you don't, and I know that one of the things for me that I've come to terms with is that I really love, I really need a routine. As much as I love being on the road and doing things, there's a routine to that in a sense. You know, it might not be the same setting, but it's the, the timing is, is very similar every day. And I really need that. Love it. Well, there's love, no love shows, right? When you're on right. the road, there's always the next show and that is your goal yep. and your destination. There's, you remove yep, there's sound check, there's like, loadout. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. I, I, like, I, like, I didn't realize how much I loved seeing the schedule of like what I've got to do today. Like I, I would always be like, oh, I got press today. Oh, I got this yeah. today. And now I yeah. wake up and I'm like, please. Yeah. Please, does anybody want to don't call tell me. Please. I'll call my tour manager. Just tell me. What yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's good. And I, so those routines, you know, making a walk a routine or I, I, this sounds, you know, it, it might sound small, but like one of the things like right after my separation when I was trying to just like get really back into, okay, this, this next part of the journey is a very different journey. Like I gotta, I gotta start moving. I have to move forward. Um, I have a necklace that means something to me and I have a, a like a ring that means something to me and just putting those on in the morning, like Rituals. Have, you know, getting dressed. It's a ritual. Just doing that. Okay. I, I have that ritual and that takes up five minutes of the morning or whatever, but you keep adding rituals until you're so like you've progressed so much further away from where you ever could have thought you were had you just tried to do it by whatever guidelines you thought you were supposed to follow like having a ritual and expanding that ritual to take up your day or as much time of your day as you can think of is a really empowering way to feel like you have control while still letting things happen to you you know so you're, you're getting these, like you're having time to think, you're having time to talk to someone if that's a part of the ritual, but it's motivation to keep moving and it does move forward. It, it, that's the thing about it is that when you set these rituals, something is moving you forward no matter what. And it's, mm -hmm. a, it's like a, it's a very mystic quality to rituals that I found, but it's worked for sure. I have a potentially complicated question for both of you but i'd be really intrigued to hear your thoughts because i've just got a hit you know a long history of failed relationships in my life and i've been single for almost four years now and i've kind of consciously mm -hmm. made that choice because i'm just tired of getting into relationships and then them ending so i would love to know like do you think that certain relationships with the benefit of hindsight which is obviously a wonderful thing mm -hmm. do you think that all the relationships that you've been in, and in this case, both your previous marriages, do you think they were always doomed to fail from the start because you were just the wrong people for each other? And do you think that is a thing? Because I can always look back at my previous relationships and go, yeah, we definitely weren't right for each other. And there were the signs very early on. But obviously when you're in the either haze of infatuation or love and an emotional connection, you ignore these things, you ignore the signs and you want to just make it work. I'd love to, to hear your take on whether you think it's our choices and our actions, which ultimately mean the, the, you know, the, the end of these relationships or whether perhaps, you know, they were never destined to last in the first place. It's a heavy question. I know. Yeah, Jesse, you want to you take that one first? <laughs> sure. Um, I, I, well, let me say this first. I do think it's a choice because I think everybody makes a choice to be a certain way or to be open um, or to be willing to work and to change because relationships, essentially, you have to grow together. You can't stay the same. Somebody's going to grow and you have to adapt. You have to, like, roll with it. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's not going to work. That being said, and that's where I'm at now, it's great because – 
in the two years I've been with my girlfriend now, we've both changed a lot. And if I didn't go along for the change or vice versa, it probably wouldn't have worked. And now we're like, I feel like we're like a force together. It's incredible. My past relationship, I look back, I ignored signs. I ignored signs early on. And I'll be open about that. Like she was not the greatest person. <laughs> she really wasn't. Uh, you know, and when I would go away, that behavior would get worse. And I, there were red flags all over the place, uh, even just in the early stages. And, you know, two things I want to touch on. And one, we'll go back to a point that um, Keith made earlier. And one is, um, yeah, I was just too much in love to even, I was like, I'll make this work. This is just part of like the rock and roll life. And that's a whole other thing too. It's like, you, you sort of like, you carry around almost a guilt when you're a touring musician that, you're not there, so you've got to like compensate somehow, whether it's friends and family. So I would throw money at my problems, you know, oh, go shopping, do this. Like I would do anything I could to sort of be present or to reach out, to overextend myself uh, to mm -hmm. try to make this relationship work. And the problem is you either have somebody who recognizes that and says, hey, that's not the way to be. We should work on this. Or they're going to accept it and be like, yeah give me money. I want to go shopping. I want to go out with the girls. I want to, I want to live this life because you're out there doing this. So why can't I do this? So it was a lot of that in my relationship. And, you know, I just got to the point where that's how I lived. And people were like, how's your relationship? I'm like, great. You know, and in the back of my mind, it's like, as long as she can go out and party and do whatever the hell she wants and not have to worry about the bills. Like that's what our relationship turned into where she was. Sounds so, like she was living the dream. <laughs> she, was, she was living the dream. And yeah. Yeah. Living the nightmare, really. Uh, now that I look back, like it's sad. On you know, I haven't spoken to her since our our divorce. Oh yeah, we signed. It was like dead. I want nothing yeah. to do with you. Um, wow. So for me, you gotta have your eyes open. If you wanted to work long term, you gotta be honest, and you do have to make choices. You do have to keep your eyes open and don't let love blind you. But mm -hmm. you know, that being said, if you're willing to work, you can sort of sharpen each other and help each other. And I think you can tell early on if that relationship is going to be that way, but you, you got to let love sort of take the side. Yeah. You know, sometimes love can be confused with infatuation, you know, and I think you got to be careful mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh sounds very, very similar. I, I, I feel like guilt is the driving force of, I would say all musicians. <laughs> I would say, I honestly, I feel like guilt is, uh, is underneath everything. Um, but I can't say all because some musicians are definitely sociopaths, so they don't feel guilt. But uh, I, I definitely understand that that just sense of, of of guilt that just doesn't have a name and it doesn't have a face and it's just lingering and it's there. And if you've done nothing wrong, the fact that you're not present is a is a huge weight for a lot of people. Um, I think that that happened to me uh, very early on, um, and it was doomed from that from that point to be looking back for sure. Um, but I was young, you know, I was so young and I've just become a very different person. Um, and like you said, I was trying to manage the dysfunction of like, okay, this isn't this, I don't feel like this is, um, what I, what I need in life. I don't feel like this is necessarily what I want, but that, Hey, I've seen married with children. I know this is how marriages are, you know, I know that you're just supposed to hang out with your friends in the garage and, you know, complain you about the old ball and chain. chain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't, uh, it didn't, 
that was not tenable. I couldn't, that wasn't sustainable. And it, there was just so much that built up because once you, you know, there's a certain point where if you passed up an opportunity to be truly honest in your relationship, and I don't know what period of time, whether that's in the beginning or midway or whatever, if you miss an opportunity that the first time it's presented, it's doomed. Absolutely doomed. There's nothing you can do to ever make up for it in your in in the way that you think or uh, the way that you approach relationships. Um, that uh, sort of misjustice of really not taking advantage of openly communicating something that you need or want or feel. Um, that's where that's where things start getting doomed. So much like you, knowing that moving forward is going to be extremely helpful. Um, so saying that something's doomed doesn't mean that it's unnecessary. I feel like there's so much to be learned from from failure. I mean, in, way more yeah. than anything to be learned from success. So absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, you can't improve on success because you've already killed it. Do you know right. what I mean? It's like done. Right. Whereas, yeah, when you fail, your your shortcomings are hammered home. And mm -hmm. this year has been obviously great slash intense for that. And I think everybody mm -hmm. across the board can relate to some level, hopefully, of discovery reflection growth change um mm -hmm. you know we've had a lot of time on our hands and a lot of solitude uh to do all of those things and yeah. i think you know change is often difficult and hard isn't it but it's it's essential to survival for some people other people would just rather not change you know and it's like i'm realizing that you know yeah. it, it's it, it really puts a line in the sand between two types of people when you present the, the situation that I was experiencing to my friends was like, do you understand this or do you not? You know, and there's very distinct groups of, I don't believe in that, that, that I don't believe in a change that drastic. I don't, I think that if a person makes a change that drastic, they're suffering some mental instability. And there are others that were like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like it's, you know, this is look, look at the, look at the people involved in this entire scenario there, there's just so much miscommunication going on um yeah i mean I, I don't know where i was starting with that point but uh, <laughs> i'll land it right there where do you guys think flexibility of the mind comes from because what interests me about what you just said is there really are for me two distinct different types of people there's those that are so set in their ways that are so disinterested with evolution and mm. are just completely stubborn and immovable on certain topics and attitudes and everything and then there's those i think like us three who roll with the punches and adapt mm. and, and evolve and grow do you think there's something early on that sets that mindset apart or is i mean what is it what makes some of us easy going and adaptable and others immovable it's yeah, i think some of that is fear i think you know there's an mm. underlying fear with change and i think some people resent fear i uh, resent change rather for that reason and it's it's something that they're not even aware of i know for sure like you know, those, those types who are like, oh, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and, you know, change your life. I'm going to be right here doing exactly what mm. the hell I do every single day. And I've, yeah. got, I've had friends like that and I've had to leave them behind. I, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, all right, well, you no longer, I can't sit at the bar in the same bar stool every single day with you and do this. Thing. I can't do it. Right. Some right. People are, are okay with that. But I think that that's fear. I think fear is behind that. That's just my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's also like, you know, people think that that's sort of like a, a good thing. Like, all right, I'm going to, you know, you do whatever you want. I'm going to be here. I'm still going to be the same person. I always was it's like, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, to, sorry to hear that. You know, like that's not, and it's strange because 
Jesse, I, I don't know if it was the same for you growing up in like a young band, but like the scene was so like, never forget your roots. Uh, true oh, till wow. death. It's always oh, these yeah. commitments, you know, that don't allow for change. And when you're young, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I was straight edge when I was fucking 13. Of course I was. Like, yeah. it just made sense to me. I also couldn't buy all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff. It, it was something that I really felt was going to be eternal, you know? Mm. And learned very quickly that it's not. Um, but I, I feel like that just that approach to thing of like detachment, of understanding that pretty much everything is, you know, fleeting in a sense, um, helps you understand how to deal with people on a day-to-day basis. And I think that being on tour, like you were saying, Matt, like, I think that's where it starts. I think once you realize that you have the capability of meeting a bunch of people in the city, saying goodbye, moving on, possibly never seeing those people again, and you get used to doing something like that, uh, I think that really affects the way that you think about change, you know, in yourself. So Mm. some people are cut out for it. Some people aren't, I guess. Yeah. So, hey, I got a question for you. So now that we're talking about all this, what, where's your mindset when we do get back to the road? Like, are you, is there any fear in that? Are you sort of looking forward to it? Or are you dreading it? Um, where are you at with that? Cause I have my own thoughts on it, but I'm curious where your mind is at when you do think about the future and, and eventually returning to that, that lifestyle that we've lived for so long with our yeah, my, mindset. Yeah, I know it's going to be strange. It is going to be strange. Um, I think my first fear is, is for my body. Honestly, like I haven't really done much. It's hard to tell because I have this physique, but I haven't done much exercise. <laughs> um, so that is my initial fear. After that, I am not. I'm nothing but hopeful and excited. To be honest, like, like you know, I, I said before. I, now that I have a girlfriend who has taught me how to incorporate things, you know, she'll she'll be with us touring, which will automatically eliminate so many stressors for my life you know that and and having someone work with me helping me not drink you know that's going to be i'm excited about that those are things i'm excited about well because you're going to experience more in a whole different world like area now right a whole different yeah everything's going to be different and i'm i'm excited and i hope it's i hope it's welcoming i guess is what i'm saying you know i hope that when i go out there like I'm ready to see the world again. It's not, I don't know, it's like fucking, you know, a car drives by and splashes me with a huge puddle or something. <laughs> Keith, is this girl you're seeing as well? Is this someone you've known your whole life who you were alluding to mm-hmm. earlier on? Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's something beautiful in that, isn't there? I've had a couple of relationships in the past that were, you know, girls who I was friends with for years. And then mm-hmm. through just a series of events, that friendship then evolved into this this great love thankfully in yeah. every case is they're still all friends even though the romantic relationships didn't last but mm-hmm. there's something really cool and beautiful about falling in love with someone you've known for forever yeah. and seeing them in a new light yeah it's strange and i'm not the kind of person that b- believes in coincidences necessarily so you know the fact that there was a, a 10-year hiatus which I, you know we had no communication whatsoever oh wow and then very recently just a random email like hey what's up how you doing you know then it was okay well see where this goes um was that because you you were in a place to give love then you'd sort of work i was yeah i was yeah i felt like i was in a place to realize a good thing that really like like that not just a good thing that like a temptation good thing but like a blessing because those are two very hard things to distinguish from you know what's a temptation and what's a blessing 
Mm-hmm. That was a blessing, you know, and I realized that with that blessing, I needed to needed to look into it a little more, I guess. So, you boys are killing it. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm happy that you're both in love and and life's going swimmingly great because you know you're two people I massively not just look up to, but you know, are, just I'm thankful for the company of. Um, you're both sweet souls. You deserve to be Thanks, Matt. appreciated by the uh, the fairer sex, and it's and nice don't, that you, you know both what? Are. Just because you don't have, just because you're not dating someone, doesn't mean <laughs> that you're not a worthy beautiful person Matt. So don't, <laughs> this is not a competition okay if you, no, no, when I'm, the right person is around <laughs> you'll find them i'm actually really really enjoying being on my own for the first time in, Good. In, the, in the whole time i've been alone this is the happiest i've been alone is these last few months because i'm just so productive and busy and there's no distractions so i'm using mm-hmm. this time wisely whilst you know there is no socializing to be done and then yeah uh, Hopefully when the foundations are laid for these projects and various things that I'm doing, then when the world opens up again, I can see people and enjoy life. And Yeah, that's going to be tough too. Like, you know, once the world opens up, I think it's going to be a lot easier for you because you'll be actually be able to sociable and like see people. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, trying to figure out your love life during this whole thing. Yeah. Like, what do you even do? <laughs> this, mm. I mean, Zoom people, I don't know. I guess there have been people yeah. like that, but... I think, you know, Matt, I think you'll know when the time is right. I think it's one of those things. And I find, too, if you're not looking for it, sometimes it just happens. And that's kind yeah. of always, always. Is, that's my girlfriend the was the same way. I was not looking. I was trying to be like the cool. I went through my little phase of like, I'm going to try to be like the guy that just kind of casually has sex with mm-hmm. girls. Be that guy because I've never been that guy. And yeah. I realized real quick, that ain't me. That ain't me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like you were saying, you find somebody to fulfill you. It's not just a temptation. It's like, oh, this is like different. This is different. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to come, brother. You know it will, Matt. Come on. Yeah. I'm I'm totally hopeful and fine. I just wanted to point out how happy I am for you two. That wasn't a bitter. (laughs) No, I didn't. Oh, real stuff. You guys are hooked up and I'm not. I'm genuinely happy for both of you. I want to ask, uh, I want to ask the pair of you this as well. Um, like after you come out of a marriage you know that's a heavy commitment is there like do you have to wrestle with heavy self-doubt after that because no, i imagine you don't have to <laughs> sorry i don't want to cut you out but no, no, like, no, no, no you don't have to yeah uh i and i think that that's a huge misconception um I, I definitely think if you're maybe have done it for the wrong reasons uh mm-hmm. you will experience that but I can tell you as someone having gone through it and was very, very keyed in on what was happening at the, at the time, your spirit cracks. And that, and when that happens, there is no, there is nothing else you can do. You know, it's a horrible feeling. Um, it is an absolutely like paralyzing state to be in when your spirit, but when that happens, there is no doubt that you, you, you can't be there anymore. You know, you can't yeah. be that anymore. And so I guess I would say that the terms obviously differ and that's going to contribute to the, the, the residual feelings, but it's not mandatory. You don't have to feel bad about it, you know? And I think that's really important because I think so many people are like, I'm fucking miserable. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to admit that I, uh, you know, that this failed or I don't want to go through those periods of like hating myself and everybody hating me and, Okay, great. You know, as long as you have the the capacity to even 
sort of reconcile all that stuff in your head but when your spirit cracks and it will happen to, to people that's it, there's no doubt and don't feel you, i don't think anybody should feel like they have to feel doubtful just because they've done step one of standing up for themselves and what they know is right and step two of like well what happens next because that's yeah. the abyss i mean you jump and then you're like now what you know you figure it out as you're falling um but i think a, a common misconception is that you have to feel low you know I don't think that's true. Yeah, I think it's a situational thing. I think I definitely had a little bit of that um, sort of self-doubt, but uh, I think that's just because of the being a byproduct of like what I realized now was sort of an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So I had to sort of deprogram myself. But once that happened, and it happened pretty quickly, to me, it was just relief. I felt this huge wave. Like I remember waking up one morning in my new place up here where I live now and just being like, thank God it's over. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, some people will be able to relate to that. Like sometimes it's just a huge relief because you know, you weren't supposed to be there anymore. And like, I love that your spirit cracks. And I definitely had a huge gaping crack in my spirit. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to start to repair that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. your self-doubt starts to wash away when you realize, yeah, I am a good person. I I, I do like who mm -hmm. I am. Fuck the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you want to hold on because you think that like, if you want to hold on to it in the state that you're in of being unhappy, of, of being distrustful, of being, you know, like you said, abused, you want to hold on to that until your spirit cracks. And then, you know, go ahead. That's fine. It will crack. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of how broken are you going to be after it? You know, like you could get to that point because you think I've, I've waited this long. I've tried everything else waiting for that spirit to crack sort of thing. And then I have an out, then I have an excuse, but like, mm. you might be, you might be really fucking broken after that, you know, mm. like really broken. Um, luckily what? you were not. Luckily I was not broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And I, I mean, so I, my advice is to really be honest with yourself now and do not let it get to that point. You mm. know, it, it definitely might feel like it's, it, it, it's a weaker argument. But who the fuck do you have to convince? You know, are you, you're not happy. That's all you got to answer to. It sounds like a massive oversimplification as well. But as a child of divorced, I can attest to this as well. As I heard Eddie Murphy chatting to Mark Maron on his podcast the other day. And Eddie Murphy was saying, look, as long as I just do everything right by my kids, then I can't do anything wrong. And I think yeah. that's the unique situation that obviously when, when children are involved, it's as long as you're just doing right by, by them then you mm -hmm. can't put a foot wrong. And I think although that is yeah. a massive oversimplification, it's a beautiful sentiment and way of looking at it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, it's a perfect, uh, like a course corrector. I mean, it's a perfect navigational tool, like just, just always with your kid in mind for me, that's, that's it. And it's made things so much easier and truer. You know, I don't, I know that that put that potential, um, you know, separation in the family, it could harm a child a lot. But I also know that bearing witness to a wildly dysfunctional relationship really screws up what they're going to feel about love, you know, and its importance. Um, so definitely don't let your kid, you know, hang on to that impression. Well, I love that was the first thing that you said at the 
at the top of this podcast. It's the first thing you said, you mentioned your child and that immediately was like, oh, this dude has got his priorities in order. And, you know, on a personal note, you know, because we've got to wrap this up pretty soon. I just want to say, man, I'm proud of you. You know, Thank and, you, man. You know, and I've, I listened to you on, on Josta's podcast, which is on the mm-hmm. same network as, as we have. And I've uh-huh. had my pulse on what you've been going through, like just quietly mm-hmm. observing. And I'm really proud of you, man. I'm really happy Thank for you. Thank you, man. That means a lot. It brings me joy to see because there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. between us, I can tell. There's a lot of parallels. And it kind of always has been. You and I were uh-huh. Absolutely. oddly similar dudes. But um, yeah, makes me really happy to hear where you're at and to hear what you're saying. Thank you, I feel the same about you. Yeah, I think that this trilo- you know, this, this trifecta here <laughs> is really, really – I look forward to these talks, you know, in a different way than I look forward to other ones. Like I know. I, had to, I actually had to leave to go – get in a different headspace before this interview started because i knew i know that what these are like as compared to other interviews uh, <laughs> well there'll, there'll I, be many more man and and it's been yeah. it's been perfect having you as our first guest on the show yeah, i'm honored very honored when the world opens up i know we were discussing this last year the three of us we will eventually get around to doing our q a tour yeah. with the three uh-huh. of us and it'll be amazing okay. Yeah, I, I think we could include some of your your writings and maybe some of my poetry. We could all bring something. Dude, to the table absolutely, the whole thing. Yep, I, Keith, I, I love. I, I want to take this opportunity to publicly thank you for hooking me up with a book deal. Because if, oh, it, yeah, oh, yeah. if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have happened. This is entirely and That's solely you, because no, of you, my friend. You. No, it is all you. So congratulations. You I'm hooked your brother up. Could, now my question to you is this: anyway. Will you write the foreword to Volume Two? Oh, there mm-hmm. it is on the spot. I, how how could I refuse? <laughs> <laughs> Thank course. you. I, I would be honored. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I've already asked him privately, and he he did kindly agree. And yeah, yeah man, I, I um, wish you just got the bomb on him. That would yeah, be more well, you write the He's like kind of busy, actually, Matt. Kind of busy. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So before we let you go, dude, obviously, uh, can you tell us anything about your your new music? I know we. You know, we don't really uh, want to be doing too much of the record plugging on this show, but it would yeah. be remiss of us to let you get out of here without telling us what's going on. I mean, and we recorded a new album. Sharing sound amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah, we recorded 16 songs before the, uh, we ended recording in March of, uh, of 2020. And like two weeks later, everything shut down. We're sitting on a new record. Um, it's great. It's great. I, people are going to be very happy. and we're, we're very excited to get out there and play it. But yeah, um, we don't have a release date yet. So just stay tuned. Yep. What's, the, what's the tune you put out? Des- Desperate Pleasures, is it? Desperate Pleasures, yeah. Now, yeah. tell me whether or not I'm way off the mark with this. I can hear a little bit of David Byrne being channeled in that. You are directly on the mark, my friend. I love David <laughs> Byrne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Straight directly up. I was, I was listening to it. I was like, that's some fucking David Byrne talking head shit right there. But yeah. in the, every time I die tank. Yeah. What, it was literally... It, it was literally a talking head song that gave me the idea of the cadence for the first part of that song because I was leaving a doctor's office. I got in the car and I'd been trying to think about it all morning, turned on the radio. That song was on. I was like, oh, maybe I should do something like this. And dude, it just clicked. So good, good that. call. Good call. You may find yourself with a large yeah. automobile. Yeah. Love it, dude. Yep. That's my favorite tune I've heard so far. And yeah, that's a great you, song. That's if that's anything to go by, we're stoked to hear the rest. Um, Absolutely. Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show, gracing us with it's your been a pleasure. wonderful energy. Absolutely, guys. You guys are the Appreciate best. It, my man. I very much look forward to this. Please, uh, any anytime, anytime. You'll be back on regularly. And um, un- until we can do this in person, don't be a stranger. Right. Stay in touch. And uh, to the water boys. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 